So Money episode 1214, celebrating Pride Month with guest Adam Ariema, editor-in-chief of Next Advisor. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. You know, money is personal. Money has to do with how you feel. We talk a lot about the link between mental health and financial health. So that process of accepting who you are, I'm not sure I can give people advice on that, but that that is some that is a journey that everyone has to go through, accepting who you are. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Happy Wednesday. In honor of Pride Month, our show today focuses on the LGBTQ plus community and a history of their financial rights. My guest today is Adam Ariema, editor-in-chief of Next Advisor, who recently profiled Susie Orman about her experience as being a lesbian in the finance industry as she was one of the first female stockbrokers. He'll share insights from that conversation. And if you're a big Susie fan, Adam's got a live stream convo happening with Susie later this month, June 24th at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'll post that link for you on our website. Here's Adam Ariema. Adam Ariema, welcome back to So Money, my friend. How have you been? Hey, Farnoosh, it's good to be here. I've been great. I've been great. How about you? Good. Well, you have just come off the Susie Orman yacht. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but, uh, you just interviewed her. And I want to talk about that as we are going to dedicate this episode to talking about the history of LGBTQ plus financial rights. What are some still holes perhaps that have cr- that continue to create gaps for people in this community to go on and live you know, financially healthy and stable lives? Let's start with Susie because she is gay and you just interviewed her on this topic. So tell us what you learned. Tell us everything. She, yeah. The article, by the way, on Next Advisor is, she has a quote, being gay has been the foundation of my success. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. It was interesting. It was surprising. So I was not literally on the Susie Orman yacht, to be clear. Although I don't think a Susie Orman yacht exists, but it might. Uh, I interviewed her via Zoom uh, just last week, and that interview is going to air on Next Advisor on June 24th in celebration of Pride Month. It was really eye-opening. You're right. She says, being gay was the foundation of my success. And that quote really took me aback. And what she meant by that was that She has this, I mean, you know, Susie Orman, she sort of plows through life. She's so strong in her identity. And according to her, she's always been that way. From the time she was 13, she knew she was lesbian. Um, She was proud of it. The kids at school teased her about it. Her parents didn't accept her. I mean, this is going, this is 1960s Chicago. You know, she's now- She was proud of it at 13? Yep. She just, the way she tells it, she never really struggled with it because- as she says, being gay made her happy. When she developed a crush on another girl at school, also named Susie, she loved it. And she loved hanging out with, um, eventually she made it to college, found a community of lesbians, and she called it the the best time of her life. And 
she has a fascinating story. I, I mean, she was making $400 a month as a waitress throughout her 20s. She eventually made it to Berkeley, California, very liberal community. She's surrounded by fellow lesbians. She's going to gay bars. She's holding hands with her girlfriend walking down the street, sort of fearless and unapologetic. And then through a series of really strange and interesting events that she delves into in the interview, she finds herself suddenly a stockbroker at Merrill Lynch. 1980. 1980. Yeah, that's, I, was, I was born in 1980. <laughs> you can't. I can only imagine. 100 years ago. Like. She, um, <laughs> she says that her boss just was very open about the fact that he believed that women should be barefoot and pregnant, but that he was hiring her specifically because he had a quota to fill. Um, she says that eventually as more women began to be hired at Merrill Lynch, there was this culture in which they were expected to sleep with their manager or sleep with their boss to get leads. And and I said, well, how did they react to you then as this sort of out and proud lesbian? She says, I never hid it from them. She said, I told them straight up who I was and uh, I was fearless about it. And she said that the sort of the strength of will that she developed, the sort of fortitude that you have to develop when you're different than other people, like when you sort of have to own your identity it just made her unapologetic and fearless. And they accepted her, she says, because she accepted herself and she just never accepted anything else. And so she said that allowed her to sort of sidestep the, the, the very real oppression that other women in the office were feeling. And of course, she's sympathetic to that. But in her case, she says, being a lesbian sort of freed me to own my identity stand in my truth and ultimately outperform all of her male colleagues and be incredibly successful in finance. What she told me that I thought was interesting was, you know, then later she becomes successful. She starts her own advisory group. She says, I never wanted to be known as the lesbian money lady. I wanted to be known as the money lady who is also a lesbian. So she's always had that as part of her identity and she's never apologized for it. But no, she doesn't always put it forward in the way she talks about herself. But she's very clear that it's it's the greatest part of her life, she told mm. me. It's a strong, strong woman and message. Mm. Do you think, though, knowing that clearly there is a wealth gap within the LGBTQ plus community, largely because for so many years they were not recognized, right, um, in so many realms of society and in so many realms of our economy, I wonder if within the community, it would have been nice if Susie had been more forthright about being gay and addressing some of these issues as as a way to sort of be in solidarity and also to be a thought leader in that space. That is that now we're seeing more voices represented in the personal finance community, people who uh, identify as lesbian, gay, bi, trans, but that for so long was an empty, empty space. But Susie could have been there for those people. Does she, did she talk about that? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I mean, two things on that. One is the way she tells it, she was always honest about who she was. Um, she says that nobody asked her. So for example, she now she's in the 90s. She has one successful book. She gets a huge advance for her next book. And she marches into the office of her publisher at Crown. And she says, listen, before I sign this $800,000 advance to write oh, this wow. book, I want you to know I'm a lesbian. And if anyone asks me, I'm going to tell them that. 
And the publisher says, yeah, we know that. Let's do it. Uh, she says she told Larry King, she told Oprah, she told Meredith Vieira. She would show up backstage at her media interviews with her partner, with her you know, soon-to-be wife, eventually. Um, and yet, she says, no one ever asked her on air. Um, and so she thought that everyone knew. Um, you know, so it's partly... It's partly a story of her living her truth, but that somehow never making it to the public consciousness, mm-hmm. um, which is really interesting. And then, of course, now she's very happy to talk about it. And you're right. I do think it's important now that people do talk about it and that, you know, we, we see all these creators in the online space. Uh, Next Advisor just published a list of our favorite LGBTQ plus personal finance creators to follow. And many of them do sort of lead with their identity because I do think it's important that people see representation um, and that they see people who look like them. I mean, Susie will tell you, and this is true, money has no sexuality, money has no religion, money has no race. You know, we all get the same price when we go to buy a stock. Uh, It doesn't matter if we're gay or not. And it's true that in many ways, the sort of mechanics of how you save, how you invest, how you build wealth don't necessarily apply or don't necessarily depend on your sexuality. But as we know, money just isn't about the logistics of how you invest. It's about people and it's about relationships. And when you bring people into it, that's when it gets complicated. When you go to apply for a loan or you go to put an offer on a house, all of a sudden your sexuality or your gender identity is your race, right? Your race. I mean, you've written a lot about race and the home buying space and how that affects everything from appraisals to mortgage approvals. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can draw the same parallels with sexuality and gender identity for sure. So increasingly it is being called out and we can get into this, but Increasingly, there's also some federal protections in place, but they can only do so much when you're talking about these transactions that depend on on person-to-person interactions. Right. The mechanics of money has no sexual orientation, but the culture, the world of money has been Mm -hmm. predominantly traditional, male, patriarchal, and... That is that continues. It's great that you have this uh, on currently on Next Advisor favorite LGBTQ plus experts to follow. Hmm. And let's see who we have here. I want to share some of this. Obviously, Susie, Ms. Orman. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you familiar with the gay husbands on fire? I am. I don't see any. Oh, where's their picture? I don't see their face. Oh, so the gay husbands on fire, interestingly, um, they're anonymous. They don't they don't share their real hmm. identity. Um, which is interesting. I haven't talked to them about what drove that decision not to go public. Um, I'm not sure if it has to do with the fact that they're gay. Some people, when they share their numbers, just don't want to sort of be out there with their identity. And we can understand that. But there are other folks, you know, there's uh, Lexa Van Dam from the Avocado Toast Budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is fantastic. She talks a lot about not only navigating money as a queer person, but, you know, she identifies as a neurodivergent person. Um, she talks a lot about her student debt. She talks a lot about budgeting. And 
and her relationship, both with money and and her personal relationship. So she's a great example of someone who's out there doing the thing. Daniela Flores, queer, non-binary financial expert. Daniela is the side hustle expert. They talk about how they paid off $40,000 of debt along with their wife. Daniela's mission is really to show the LGBTQ plus community that there are many options of building wealth. And I think that's important because when we talk about sort of systemic systems of oppression, a lot of people find that they have to go sort of outside that system and build their own wealth. And so Daniela, side hustle expert, definitely recommend. They blog at iliketodabble.com. Cool. Carmen Perez creator of Make Real Sense, a personal finance platform to helping people achieve independence and avoid the money mistakes that she made early on. She talks about how she had really bad credit. She had no savings. She was sued at one point (laughs) for defaulting on her student loans. Um, This is great. This segues us nicely to talk about, by the way, everybody, Adam's interview with Susie live streaming on the 24th of this month. We'll make sure to remind you. Let's talk about the history of LGBTQ+, the financial rights within that community. You have that story publishing soon. Anything that you learned that was interesting? A couple of things. I mean, I think when we talk about LGBTQ plus financial rights, uh, rightly so, our minds often go to marriage and marriage equality, which as of, what was it? Was it, it feels so ingrained now, but what was it, 20... 13? No, 2015 is when marriage equality was extended nationally. And obviously, as we know, marriage is much more than just a personal relationship. When you are married, you form an economic unit. And that has major implications when it comes to estate planning and inheritance um, and and really sharing finances. So that was obviously a major milestone. I think it's important to note that that was only about six years ago. And so LGBT couples did have, you know, everyone else got a real head start when it came to that. The other interesting thing that we uncovered in our sort of brief history of LGBTQ financial rights was a law that I didn't know about called the Equal Credit Opportunity Act. And this is a federal law that was enacted in 1974 that ever since then has more recently been interpreted to ban credit discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. So there's one really interesting case. There was a ruling in 2000 where a transgender individual named Lucas Rosa, um, someone who is assigned male at sex but identifies as a woman, went into a bank to get a loan or to ask for a loan. And the bank told them to go home and put on more masculine clothing if they wanted to get a loan. I know. (laughs) Unbelievable, right? But, you know, these things happen. And this is what we mean when we talk about this all has to do with people. This was brought into court and a judge ruled that this uh, federal law from 1974 actually does protect people from discrimination, not only based on gender, but also sexuality and gender identity. So that was a real win for the community. Um, And that law, even more recently, um, President Biden this year issued guidance to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau to continue interpreting this law as protecting from discrimination based on those lines. The laws are fragile, though, right? Depending on who is elected, we should not take these for granted. 
Right. Uh, you know, in some ways this has to do, there's the law in the books and then there's the way that the court center um, interpret them. And then there's a way that the federal agencies interpret them. So another example of this is the, the HUD, the Department of Housing and Urban Development, also issues guidance on, on, on curbing discrimination based on gender identity and sexual identity. They have a place you can go to issue a complaint if you feel like you've been discriminated against. Um, we're going to link to that in the article that's on the site. Likewise, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau does have a place where you can go and issue a complaint if you feel like you've been discriminated against when you're trying to get out uh, mm-hmm. to get a loan or another financial product. So, yes, there are protections in place and there are agencies you can go to if you feel like you're discriminated against. Doesn't make it much easier when it happens. And so I think a lot of this has to do with education and finding the right people to work with, really. I mean, again, to go back to your story about the Black home ownership gap and the way that that really manifests, part of the advice that we gave, it's so hard to give advice in these settings, but part of it is to find bankers, agents who who understand that this is real and can help you look out for this stuff. Advocacy is so important. In fact, I'm working on another piece for Closing the Gap, the monthly column for Next Advisor on disability and those in this country who are disabled. And I just read that 25% of those living in poverty are disabled. And and there's a, a lot of reasons for that. A lot of it is systemic and cultural. But so what is the advice, (laughs) you know, short of everyone should change their attitudes and the world should become a better, more inviting place. It's that you have to find the advocates that can help you navigate the system because it's hard to change systems overnight. But sometimes you can find the advocates to help steer you in the right direction, Mm -hmm. give you a heads up uh, or frankly, you know, show you the tricks uh, about how to sort of circumvent some of these old school, traditional ways of, of the way the world is currently run. Advocacy is so important, which is, again, why it's so helpful to have representation in in this case, in LGBTQ plus community so that you can immediately identify with the people who are going to advocate for you. You can trust them. You know, I, I struggled with, with this too and, and, and talking with Susie and she recognizes this. I mean, she's someone who just owns her identity and, you know, talks about the, the value of what she calls standing in your truth and telling the world who you are and being strong in that. And I think a lot of times... People can react really well to that. If you know yourself, that can really open doors. At the same time, it doesn't always open doors. And you have to also be aware of not only is not only about you advocating for yourself, but all of us have a responsibility when others advocate for themselves, when other people tell us who they are or other people share who they are. We have to listen to that and we have to give opportunities and we have to allow people into those spaces. I mean, I think about that even in my work as, as a as a manager and as someone who runs a, a big platform to make sure that underrepresented voices are being heard. So it's 2021 and it's Pride Month. And, you know, we were talking about some of the service pieces we could, you know, if if maybe closing the gap in June could be about uh, gay rights or something centered around LGBTQ plus community members. And having now you have really explored this. And what would you say is your 
biggest piece of advice or your biggest takeaway in the context of the world that we're living in today, post, well, can I even say post-pandemic, but like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> emerging, <laughs> pandemic emerging, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and the state of the world politically and economically, your most important piece of advice. Yeah. I mean, it's so difficult. We've talked about this one-on-one before, but there's there's so much diversity within the LGBTQ plus community, um, you know, that it's really hard to give universal advice. I mean, I think there's two things. I mean, one is, you know, money is personal. Money has to do with how you feel. We talk a lot about the link between mental health and financial health. So that process of accepting who you are, I'm not sure I can give people advice on that, but that. That is some that is a journey that everyone has to go through, accepting who you are. Because if you don't feel good about that, it's gonna be hard to translate that into career success, financial success, valuing the money that you do have, negotiating on your behalf, fighting for yourself. Like a lot of that doesn't come if you don't accept who you are and love who you are. So I don't know how to give advice on that because it's so personal, but that is the first step in a lot of things. Yeah. No, I think you're right. It it whatever your path is to get there, have it take precedence. Mm. I think that's universal advice that we can say, we can put our stamp on and say, there are many things we try to achieve in life, financial success, career success, but your personal identity, feeling successful in that Mm. is the foundation. And I mean, it goes back to your interview with Susie, my takeaway and hearing you talk about her understanding of who she was and is and having that be really the anchor. That's the hardest thing, right? Is to kind of get whole with yourself and to believe in yourself and say, this is who I am. So then when she enters these otherwise scary situations of working in a male dominated field like finance in the 80s, I know. Uh, she's like, I got this. Right. I, I can do this. I've 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 tackled something perhaps even more challenging, which is but it sounds like it came easy to her. Yeah. Uh, which isn't always everyone's path, but um nonetheless. And nevertheless. She was in an unwelcoming space, but it's hard to compare that with the unwelcoming spaces that so many other people feel, especially the transgender part of our community, which I feel is 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 is, is there's all sorts of data. I think I saw that um transgender individuals are four times more likely to make under $10,000 a year right now in 2021. And so, you know, I I don't know how to give advice for that other than to say, you know, the second part of it is knowing your rights and finding your, finding your community. Susie found her community that really sort of helped her flourish. Um, There are spaces that are welcoming. There are people online as, as we highlighted that are there doing the thing, talking about money, reaching out to their own communities. Uh, there are people who can help when it comes to filing a complaint or, you know, flagging discrimination. There are there are real estate professionals who are gay, who are transgender, who can help other people. Um, so there are there are there are resources out there. It's not easy. And and a, one thing I learned or remembered during this pride month is that for all the advancements that we've made as a community there's so much more to go and those advancements have not been equal throughout the community and there's a lot more work to do 
Well, Adam, thanks as always for the coverage. Everybody can check out these pieces at nextadvisor.com and that live stream with Susie Orman happening this month. Follow Next Advisor on Instagram so that you can be sure to check that out. Adam, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks so much to Adam for joining us again. The live stream with Susie is on June 24th at 1 p.m. at Next Advisor. You can sign up using the link on our website, somoneypodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Friday is Ask Farnoosh. So if you haven't yet, please send me your questions about money, career, life, anything you want. In the meantime, I hope your day is so money. 